0: It's a busy, busy time, but it's all uh, a, good, a good time for us. Psalm, the 40th Psalm, as we look at the first uh, three verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Excuse me, okay, it says, uh, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and, I, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, look at this passage of Scripture this morning, I pray that we would see clearly uh, how much you love the souls of men and desire to do a work in our hearts, how desperately all mankind needs you, And how important it is for us as Christians to share the gospel with those who are in need. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've heard about every illustration I know how to give you. My favorite one is the Grand Canyon. It's one that I think we can all understand, all right? So imagining that this is the Grand Canyon and for short people it's not that far away. Right? So, but imagine that that's the Grand Canyon and uh, Joe's up here with me and we're, you don't have to get up here, I'm just telling you. And so, Joe's young and you know he's got all this and I'm this. And, uh, and so we're gonna jump, alright, so we're gonna try to jump over the Grand Canyon and imagine if you will for me just for our, since we're not that far down either, we won't be that far back. It doesn't really matter. You can put the illustration however you want, but let's just say the back wall is the uh, other side of the Grand Canyon. Now if I back up as far as I can and I take off running, and I may be able to keep up with him running wise because I'm fairly fleet on my feet even if I am old, but I might take off and jump. My guess is if I really get a good jump and if I'm really limbered up for my age, my guess is maybe I might make it to Miss Jean on a really good day I might make it to the Strattons. I mean that'd be a really good day. <laughs> I, I'm I'm you know, I, I can jump and you know you've got a little bit of room to play with because you're going downhill. So that's so wow, but you know what the problem is, I didn't make it to the other side, right? Now if we're really talking about the Grand Canyon and I can get out there fifteen feet, maybe twenty feet on a really good day, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Uh when in the end, result is that you are scraping me maybe I don't know if there's even that much left from the Grand Canyon Joe gets up here he you know he jumps he's young he's got all that he is fantastic he makes all the way back to Miss Sharon I just added three feet for you buddy maybe to the Hazelwoods that would be like really pushing. you'd be in the Olympics if that was the case and here's the point right when we get down there you can't tell Joe and I apart anymore (laughs) because We've both come short of where we needed to get to, right? That's the idea. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how often you go to church, how much money you give, how many times you've gotten wet in a baptismal pool. None of that matters because all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and there's no good work that we can do that's going to get us to heaven. Everything we have to offer God comes short of where we need to be in order to be worthy of heaven, and that's the idea. We have a sin problem, and God describes that sin problem here in Psalm 40 in a unique way. He uses these two phrases, it's a horrible pit and it's miry clay, and I want us to focus on those two things. I want us to see, first of all, what our own personal sin problem is, all right? This is where we all are. I don't care how good you think you are, let me be the one to tell you, you stink. In the eyes of heaven, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And I won't get into the definition of that, but it is a nasty definition. There is nothing good that we bring to the plate when it comes to us making a presentation of our righteousness to a holy God. It doesn't exist. At best, we're in a pit, a horrible pit. And we're in miry clay and God uses both of these. And I want us to think about what they might both mean to us, first of all, and our previous sinful condition prior to Christ. And I want you to think right now about somebody you know who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and recognize that everything we're about to discuss is a description of your aunt, your cousin, your mom, your dad, your children, your grandchildren who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior this is where they are. Where they are is a horrible pit. Now, you know, I don't know a whole lot about pits. I really don't. Uh, I, I've been in a couple of them. Now, spiritually speaking, I may have been in more than a couple, but I've been in a couple of actual pits. But I understand this concept of a pit, especially the pit that is being spoken of here, is that you can't get out. You understand? Is that basic enough? It is the idea of putting someone in a hole and they can't get out. This, tri- this pit has them trapped. And everyone you know that does not know Jesus Christ as their savior is trapped in the sinful condition they find themselves in. There's nothing they're going to be able to do that will make them good enough to lift them up out of this horrible pit. That pit might be you know, uh, some kind of addiction of alcohol or drugs or pornography or immorality and they're trapped, they're stuck there and they can't get out, they literally cannot get out of this pit. On their own, they have nothing to offer. They're going to come short every time. I mean, the idea is that even if they could get within an inch of the top, they still come short. This is where people are spiritually. The pit that they're in is a horrible pit. And I know enough about spiritual pits to understand that this is the way it works. If I'm stuck in a situation and I can't get out, one of the first things that happens is I lose all hope. If I can't get out, folks, I lose hope. I remember, there's really only been one time physically I can think of that I was in that situation where it was genuine and sincere. When I was 16, I was in the back seat of a car. There were five of us in the vehicle. We were driving down the road, US 36 uh, over by Avon. And we were going about 40 miles an hour, and this wrecker truck turns in front of us. And we can't stop. Now, I'm not driving, but we're not going to stop. It's one of those big old tanks of a car. I think it was a Pontiac of some sort. I'm the only person in this vehicle that's not wearing a seatbelt. So everyone else came out with minor scratches. I go flying up over the back seat. My head hits the windshield and ricochets right down into the dashboard where I broke my jaw in three places, shattered my nose, broke my cheekbone. I was in bad shape. And what do you do with somebody who is bleeding profusely from the nose? Tip your head back, tip your head back. And I'm telling you, there's so much blood coming out of every part of me that's injured that I am drowning in my blood. And I I am sensing it and I'm losing all hope as these people are holding me down and I'm trying to get up because I can't breathe. It was an awful feeling. That's the only time I can remember physically where I felt like I just lost all hope. Now spiritually, I've been in many a pit in which I just felt like I couldn't get out of. And everyone that you know that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their savior is in a horrible pit. And whether they show it on the outside and whether you realize it or not, it doesn't change anything. They're still coming short of the glory of God. And they are this morning in a horrible pit in despair, losing all hope, because there's nothing they can do to get themselves out of this horrible pit. It's a bad place to be. This is what sin does to people's lives. Christians who know Christ is our Savior and we have been given power over our sin often find themselves in a pit, often of their own making. And before you know it, they realize they can't get out. You say, well, they have greater is he that is in you. That's right. But they have forgotten that they were purged. They've forgotten what it is for Christ to bring them victory. And now they're in this horrible pit and sin has taken charge of their lives and they feel despair and no hope and they cannot get out. And all they can do is look up and see this small part of light, but there's no hope. They're in a horrible pit. Somebody you know needs to be released from this horrible pit. And if the horrible pit was all it was, that'd be bad. But the rest of the description goes on to say this. Describes it as miry clay. Now think about this. This pit is, in essence, filled with quicksand. This pit is not only that I can't reach the top, But the longer I'm in the pit, the deeper I sink into it. This pit is every nasty, disgusting thing that God describes in the Bible as sin. He describes it, the Bible describes it as, you know, a filthy rags concept. Death is what sin is likened to in the scripture. So I'm in this pit I can't get out of. I'm in this pit that I can't climb the sides of. I'm in this pit. I'm losing all hope. And to make matters worse, not only am I in the pit, I'm sinking deeper into this goo of stench and rot and decay. And everything I do to try to improve my life only draws me deeper into the disgusting circumstance of my life. Every person you know without Christ as Savior. Again, maybe outwardly. Remember the old song, laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. Maybe outwardly it seems like they're doing okay. Outwardly they look successful. Outwardly it seems like they've got a handle on life. But they are in a horrible pit and miry clay and it is causing their lives to fall apart, to develop a stench. And if you know anything about rot, one of the big problems with rot is that it brings about all kinds of disease, right? And so if you were to cover yourself with rot, it would not be long before you personally would be rotting. Do you understand how that works? that is legitimately how this works. You cannot be surrounded by rot and not begin to rot. And every unsafe person you know is in a horrible pit with miry gook all around them being sucked down deeper into the pit. Every person you know is, even when success, success by the way is its own trap, right? Success gives the illusion for an unsafe person, when they have success, it gives the illusion as if they have the ability to somehow, on their own, overcome the circumstance that they're in. They've enjoyed success in business, they've enjoyed success in making money, they've enjoyed success in the way that they look, they've enjoyed success in popularity, and somehow then it gives them this self-confidence to say, I can overcome this sin problem, and it's too late. By the time they realized that the miry clay is pulling them down. And it seemed okay for a little while. Everyone you know that does not know Christ as Savior, that's what they're going through right now. They're sitting at home wishing someone would pull them up out of this pit. I mean, the addictions of this world have so taken over. We, we live in a world, a society, I, I can't even comprehend it, but we are so struggling with things on the Internet in our society today that um, statistically, guys, ladies, are you ready for this? Statistically, if you have access to the Internet in your home, statistically, seven out of ten men sitting here this morning, who have access to the internet are looking at things they ought not to be looking at. That's just statistics. Maybe not every day, maybe not every week, maybe not every month, but it's where we are. It's the horrible, miry pit. I've never been, well, okay, I I say I've never been hooked on drugs. Let me tell you what happened. That same accident I was telling you about, I'm 16 years of age. I'm in, uh, I'm in um, Methodist Hospital. The f- I, I never lost consciousness. I never did. Uh, tell you the funny part of the story, okay? So the first thing they do, they put you in an ambulance. First thing you do, I, I don't know why they do this, but I mean, they just strip you down, put a sheet over you. I'm laying there naked. It's, tw- it's December 19th, it's freezing in Indiana, and I've got a sheet on me, and it's cold. My brother gets there and he starts an argument with the, with the um, ambulance driver. They want to take me to Methodist Hospital. My, bro- we, my family had never been to Methodist Hospital. The only thing he knows is Hendricks County Hospital. Well, it's a great hospital, it is. Back then, it was a great phone booth. But uh, you know he said, you need to take him to Hendricks County Hospital. And so my brother uh, apparently stood his ground and won the argument. They take me to Hendricks County Hospital. We're about halfway between both hospitals. I get to Hendricks County Hospital. They take one look at me and said, we can't do anything for this guy. Taken to Methodist Hospital, (laughs) okay, (laughs) all right. But anyway, so I get to Methodist Hospital. The next day, I mean, they're like, you're gonna have a lot of pain, I'm not feeling much, but uh, you're gonna have a lot of pain, and so we're gonna help you not have pain. And I don't know what they gave me, but they gave me a shot of something, and it was glorious. (laughs) I remember, I'm not making this up, I I wish I was making, I remember laying there thinking, I can't raise my hand, I can't raise my hand. Whoa, (laughs) look at that. (laughs) (laughs) and I drift off to sleep and that that went on for like five six days and I will never forget the day that I pushed the button and said I need some more pain back then they didn't have the automatic button I need some more pain medicine and the nurse came in and said no more medicine and I remember in my mind I'm thinking no you can't do that that's probably the closest I've ever been to having Some kind of substance addiction. I don't know. I've never drunk alcohol, and so I just have never had those kinds of things. All right, other than my coffee. All right, maybe I've got that one. I don't know, but um, I do understand that it gets hold of people in ways that I can't understand. I understand that it gets hold of people. I may not be able to understand it because I've not had that, but I've watched people deal with it. You want to have your heart broken. You watch somebody who's in that pit begging to be taken out of that pit and they can't get out. That's what sin does to people, folks. Every single person you know that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior is losing all hope and in despair at the bottom of a stinking, lousy pit crying for help, spiritually speaking. I know that because that was where I was. That's where you were before you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You may not have fully comprehended it then. But that's exactly it. Pastor, I've never been hooked on drugs and alcohol. I've never had those kinds of, that's not the point. Sin is the problem, not alcohol. Sin is the problem, not pornography. And all of us have a sin problem. And all of us were at the bottom of the pit with absolutely no way out on our own strength. But praise the Lord, right? When we couldn't do anything, He did something for us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And here in this passage it says, he brought me up to comprehend. Now, ask yourself this question. How does God bring us up out of the pit? I'm going to tell you how he does. He reaches down into it. That's the whole of the, of the Christmas story, is it not? That God came to this planet, his Son. To be the propitiation, the substitute for you and I. He reaches down to that horrible pit and he brings us up and he sets us up on a rock. And whereas before we were in slippery territory, whereas before we could do nothing to get out of the goo and the slime of sin to get ourselves out of this pit, God pulls us out and he sets us on a solid rock. He gives us a firm foundation, so that now we have footing, so that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So that now we actually have a way to survive, because he set us up on a rock But beyond that. Then he established our going. He not only got us out of the pit, but he helped us then to figure out how to walk in this new life that we've got. He established our going. Wow, fantastic. He got us out of the pit, he put us on solid ground, and then he takes the time to teach us how to walk in newness of life. And the God who did that for you and I is longing for the chance to do that for every one of your friends and family that came to your mind just a minute ago, that does not know Jesus Christ as their savior, or perhaps everyone who's here this morning Who has never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? The God of heaven wants to reach down to the miry pit of your life and pull you up out of that and set you on a rock and establish your goings. Through Jesus Christ, He wants to forgive you of your sins and to save you. That's what what this is a picture of. Without Christ, we're in the pit. Even as Christians trying to live our lives without Christ, we're in the pit. But the God that we have sets us on a rock and establishes our going. And look what he does. If it stopped there, it'd be enough, wouldn't it? I mean, if it stopped there, it would be incredible what God has done. But verse three goes on to say this, and he had put a new song in my mouth. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whereas once I was in this pit, Once I was doomed and with no hope, no way out. And God loved me so much that he pulled me up out of that pit, he set me on a rock, and then he gave me joy, unspeakable. He gave me a peace that passes understanding. I mean, if God had just got me out of the pit, it would be more than I deserve. But for God to give me joy on top of that, and put a song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. What kind of a good God do we have that he would do so much for us? I do not deserve any of it, and yet he's so gracious to me. I don't understand it. He's such a good God. And then this good God, who's done all this for us, says now let me show you something i'm going to take what i did for you and i'm going to reach your brother who's lost and on his way to hell in the pit because i'm gonna let him see what i've done in your life take a look at the verse here's what it says and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the lord wow this god of ours will do this wonderful thing for us and then let others see what he's done so that they might enjoy the same thing that he did for us. This is what God wants to do. Our job, folks, is to recognize what sin's doing to our friends and our family. They're in the miry pit. It's horrible and there's no hope and they can't do this on their own, everything they do will come short of where they need to be. This is not something, they cannot save themselves. It is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, that he saves us. By grace are you saved through faith. And they trust Christ as their savior and are brought out of the pit. And he brings us out of the pit so that others might see and be brought out of the pit. What good God. The uh, old song, it's old now, it's not that old, but anyway, listen to the words of this song. Let it speak to your heart. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care. Headed who knows where. On they go. Through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. Do you believe this? People need the Lord. Wow. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, Everyone you know has got a broken brain, right? He's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize that we must give our lives for people need the Lord? Has bad eyes closed,